So when you have little kids, like real little, they'll uh, be outside playing and they'll run in. And you can tell by a look on their face that it's an emergency. And they'll say, okay, um, so, and you just know they're going to bury the lead. You know, they're not, they're not actually going to say what needs to be said out front. They're going to say, we were playing and everyone was happy. And uh, we had an idea and we decided. And so you, what you would do as a parent is I, what I would is I'd go, just going to go, I'd go, what happened? Because if this is an emergency, I don't need details. I don't need to know the consequences at the moment. I don't need to know your diagnosis. I need to know what happened. Noah jumped out of a tree, you know, or that, whatever. He's never done that, nor would he, I don't think. But there is a, there's a sense sometimes, I feel like, churches are rushing into the world. And we're saying, okay, okay, listen, listen, we've got this church. We, we sing, we take communion together. It's one worship's wonderful. Preacher is, uh, he has, uh, he has some blue shoes that he wears sometimes. Uh, you'll like them. Just focus on those when you don't like what he's saying. Um, they were about wonderful Bible classes. There's coffee. There's uh, this. There's that. There's a, and the the world. I think sometimes is staring at us, saying, "What happened?" Because in the end, our message about what happens well, something something physically, historically, actually happened, and they're needing to hear. From us, what happened? What is going on? What, what and what? We'll figure out how that affects you eventually. I'm doing a sermon series uh, later this year, I think in the spring, uh, called The Five Million Steps of Salvation. That's a true statement. Um, it is a sermon series looking into the the saved life and what does that look like how are how are the things we did and i'm just using the trope of five steps to just examine other things but that how are the things we did how how can those be lived out daily in our all throughout our lives it's not just something we chose to do it's something we are choosing to do but when i think about five steps of salvation sometimes i think about how like when I was growing up, five steps, five steps of salvation were hear that baptism is essential for your forgiveness. Believe that baptism is essential for forgiveness. Confess that baptism is for, essential for forgiveness, salvation. Repent from not believing that baptism is essential for salvation. And be baptized because baptism is essential for salvation. And I could go, we could go on door knocking campaigns and we can, we can rat a tat tat on people's doors and stand back and we could sell them salvation without once telling them what happened. 
We could talk to them about their sins and how their sins need forgiveness and that we get forgiveness through baptism. Like when we could go Acts 2.38 without ever hearing Acts 2.36. You know Acts 2.38. Acts 2.36 is this Jesus whom you crucified is now Lord and Savior. It's actually the end of that sermon. Paul didn't offer an invitation until people asked, did he? We, we are constantly trying to sell people, it seems, what we have to offer without telling them what Jesus has to offer. Sell them our church. Even sell them that like all are welcome to the table. And that is true. And that's, I think, something that's incredibly important to our mission. But unless we realize who's at the head of the table and why. The table is just a place around which we gather with those of like mind. It's only in Jesus that we find Salvation and hope and unity. Forgiveness from our sins. Hope of the resurrection and unity brought from the cross or from the the throne. That Jesus is king. That Jesus is who God says he is. That Jesus did something actual and that our faith is in that act in that person verse 15 of Colossians 1 said he is the image of the invisible God hey you remember how you can't see God Paul is saying in Colossians, and he says so in Ephesians as well, you look at Jesus, you see God. The image, when when you can't wrap your mind around God and good, that's fine. That's normal. You're not supposed to be able to figure out God. But I can look at Jesus loving his neighbor, commanding us to love our neighbors. I can look at Jesus telling us to, to pray for our enemies I can look at Jesus telling me, well, what about persecution, Jesus? And Jesus says, when they ask you to carry their shield or their robe or their sword, carry it for for one mile, carry it for two. And the more I look at Jesus like that, the more I look at the king who is is crossing the sea and and feeding those who aren't like me, the foreigner. The more I look at Jesus and I see him, he see him healing people that, that I don't know if I would have been around them. Touching the leper, having compassion on him. The more I see Jesus do things that feel like things I don't want to do. Like forgiving my enemy and praying for those who persecute me. The more I see Jesus do that, the more I think, well... Let me sell church. 
<coughs> excuse me. Let me let me sell like what we've got going on, because <clears throat> Jesus sometimes is a hard sell, guys. The one who sits at the head of the table, around which we gather, calls us when we leave this table to do some extraordinarily strange things if we're just basing it on our human wants and desires. He calls us to difficult, a difficult life of forgiveness and grace shown to others. He calls us to love our neighbors when that is not always our first instinct. And this Jesus who sits at the head of the table, who offers forgiveness of sins at the cross, hope of, the, from, of resurrection from his resurrection and unity found on the throne. This Jesus did it for you, for me, but more than just for you and me, he did it for the us. And for an us that is open to all of you, all of y'all. God in flesh. And I, I love the way Colossians works backwards sometimes. It, it says, God, Jesus is God. Like when you look at Jesus, you're seeing the image of the invisible God. And it works, it says that that is predefined. That's, that is what it is. In him, all things in heaven and on earth were made. Like, it's all of creation. Like, you, you can't get away from Jesus. So for all things and in all things and all in him, all things hold together. He is, verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. God was happy to dwell in Jesus. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Jesus is God. He's on the throne. He's the head of the church. He's the firstborn from resurrection. He's on the cross. It tells the story backwards. I was hoping for some creepy music while I said these next things. One time I was preaching at a youth rally and I heard a phone go off. It sounded a lot like an ice cream truck. And I thought, if that's actually an ice cream truck, we can shut this whole thing down right now and go outside. <laughs> it wasn't. How rude to have a phone ringtone that sounds like an ice cream truck. Just getting people's hopes up all around. This, what, what brings us together is, yes, our sins are forgiven. And we can look around and say, look at the sins I see. Those are forgiven too. But it's also that, that the fact that Jesus rose from the grave and now sits on the throne, he is to rule us. Church, this is not me saying you have to earn God's favor. But if you want to be a part of God's mission, 
You've got to follow the king. And it's not just about, it's not just about, well, I got to do these certain right things. I do the right thing. I was raised right. No, you weren't. You were raised okay. We've all met each other. (laughs) You were raised okay. Or maybe bad. We're all just amateurs doing our best. Unless you get a baby book and open it and a baby crawls out, it can't prepare you. We're all, we're all morally compromised. And we give ourselves a grace that we won't give to anyone else. That's our, that's our base self. But we live in a broken world, and that's to be expected. And God isn't mad at you about that. God loves you. He says, I created them. In my own, own image, I created them, and I sent Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God. But we will worship. We will worship the uniting element of the community we value most. We will worship the thing that, the, the, whatever group we love the most, the thing that brings us all together, we'll worship that. We know our Bibles. Well, good. Let's worship the Bible. Bible ever tell you to worship the Bible? This is how we vote. Good. You worship a man. Good luck. The only thing that truly unites people is the God who put his son on the throne. The only thing that truly unites people, it's not, oh, I like this. And so we, we go, we go, we, we talk about the softball gods in Southwest Arkansas. It's, I mean, let's, let's, let's get together and worship Jesus. But also we're going to have a softball tournament every day of the year. And that can be tough on a family. People will say, man, how are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. Oh, my goodness. You should talk to the people who schedule your stuff. You can tell them to calm that down. But yeah, softballs can be good. Baseball can be good. Basketball, let's play basketball. Let's go to camps. Let's do all that. I once had a youth minister intern who was livid that that a kid in our youth group was not going to camp with us. Instead, they were going to a basketball camp. He said, what's bigger? This is, this is, no offense, this is a youth minister thing to say. What do you value more, basketball or God? And I said, hey, first off, settle down. Second, second, I've seen her parents play basketball. They're awful. 
I've seen her parents follow Jesus. They're pretty good at that. So while they may, she's getting Jesus at home. She's not getting any basketball at home. (laughs) In my family, I'm better at basketball than following Jesus. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So it's switched. But this, this sense of like, I've, We've got a group, and we really like that group. What are they united around? And I think churches can fall victim to this. Where we're not united around Jesus, we're united around fill in the blank. And as soon as that falls, we fall. But everything that isn't the throne of, in heaven, everything that isn't Jesus on the throne, everything that is not Jesus at the head of the table will fall. And it's not enough to unify us. The good news of the gospel is bigger than we've ever made it. It's bigger than we can make it. I don't, have, I don't have a saying or like a, a, a memorized thing when I baptize people. I do make this hand gesture when I baptize, say the word baptize, though, every time. It's too big of a moment. What God is doing for us and through us, we could, when someone gives their life to Jesus, there's so much going on there, we can't sum it up in two or three sentences. And it's going to take your whole life to explore what God's been doing. The gospel is so big. It's not just, well, I had sins and now they're forgiven. That's part of it. What about, I've got this, we've got this, we do have a sin problem. What about our death problem? Some of you think you have overcome sin, like you've kind of quit. took the righteousness patch and you've quit cold turkey almost <laughs> think you've gotten over your sin problem well let's look at the death problem we have that's awful that's, it's horrible and without the hope of resur- resurrection we have no hope period you think we're done with division you think the whole world's going to just like somehow unite because we've all come to the same logical conclusions? That's what's so funny to me when people, I see people on Facebook trying to prove other people wrong. They'll say something and someone will come in and say, well, I don't, I don't agree with this and this is why. Like, this ain't working. We've tried that. Just saying words. Ideas. Reader's Digest, several years ago, an authority on humor decided um, what the, the greatest joke, 100 greatest jokes ever told. They had, a, they had an issue come out with 100 greatest jokes ever told. And the best joke they came up with that was ever told isn't even one that's all that funny but it's important. And I don't remember exactly how it goes. It's a very long joke, and I'm not good at jokes, but the, like the, main, 
telling jokes. I don't do those very well. But main point is two guys show up at a bridge. Both are saying, all is lost. I have nobody. And there they are experiencing the same thing. He goes, and each, each is trying to talk the other out of doing what they're about to do, but they're both intent on doing it. And he says, well, don't you have like any family? He said, no, I don't have any family. What about friends? No, no friends. I don't have any friends. What about a church? Well, I do have a church. Oh, what church? Baptist. We're going to say Church of Christ because I know that better. And I don't want to make fun of any Baptists. Church of Christ. Oh, Church of Christ. Yeah. I'm Church of Christ. Really? Do you have Bible class? No, we don't have Bible class. Bible doesn't command Bible class. We don't have Bible class. Okay, we don't either. Good. And slowly they compare and contrast differences. Well, what about this? Do you support orphanages? Do you have a praise team? Do you, I guess if you don't support orphanages, you typically don't have a praise team. But they went down the line of like, well, different churches, Christ, churches of Christ do this and different churches of Christ do that. And they, they eventually got down to one where they disagreed on it. And they, they agreed on like eight or nine different little minutiae. He says, well, what about this? He said, oh, no, we don't do that. And he pushes him and says, die, heretic. That's the joke. It is too painful to laugh at. Because it's so true that my practices can't unite me with people. My beliefs can't unite me with people because I grew up in a certain way and other people grow up in a different way. And we are just all coming at this from different directions. And the good news is that we have been forgiven of all that brokenness from which we come. We have been offered hope from the death to which we go. And we are united right in the middle of the division in which we live. We are called to share this good news, but it's really hard to sum up, isn't it? What happened? Oh. Jesus died and rose again and is king. Come see how it affects our community. We're not good at it all the time. But we're aware of it. And we're letting it work on us. Stop being a church that is perfect. Give up on uniformity. And embrace the forgiveness and hope and unity that the gospel can bring. I hope this week you tell a friend, a neighbor, a stranger that Jesus loves them and is king. Let the good news go. Tell them who sits at the head of our table. 
Now, we're not always going to stick that landing, are we? We're not always going to be unified around what we need to be unified around. But watch what the Holy Spirit does. When we acknowledge that at the head of the table is not our perfect understanding of Scripture, that it is not our perfect practices when we get together, that what sits at the head of the table is not just, you know, well, you know, we're Glenwood. What sits at the head of our table is the resurrected, crucified and resurrected king. And that's why we all get to come to the table, no matter from whence we came, from where we came. We all have a seat at the table, not because we're out there pulling out chairs and grabbing chairs for people. It's because the king says it's so and so it is. That's gospel. And that's what happened. Let's pray. Father, I'm still wrapping my head around the importance of your good news. How it's affecting my life and the life of my family and the life of this church. God, we we need to we want to be forever changed by you. And forever changing. God shape us through your spirit. Help us follow your son. And help us worship you with our lives, with our words, with our songs, with our love for others. May our life be a life that both in our actions and in our words constantly aware of what happened to your son that he forgave us on the cross gives us hope out of the tomb and unites us from the throne may we never forget who sits at the head of our table it's in your son's name we pray